fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Ooh, fancy seeing you here again. Here's what we got coming up in today's show. 2022, it's still a healthy M&A environment, but these things are like windows, and sometimes the windows open, and sometimes the windows close. We're coming into an economic period where that window may start to close. <laughs> That's Harry Brailsford. He's the founder of SMB Nation, and he's joining me later on in the show to talk about a number of things, including murders and acquisitions. Did I say murders? I mean mergers and acquisitions. I'm thinking a bit too much American psycho there. He's also going to be talking about the opportunities for MSPs in the current cannabis tech in the US, and we'll be talking about the potential distractions of having side hustles. It's a great interview, and it's coming up later in the show. We're also going to be talking about why it doesn't matter if you have the same sales conversations again and again and again with all of your prospects, because those sales conversations aren't really for you it's an important part of the process for them to decide that they really need to sign your contract. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Right, question for you. What are you doing next week? Have a look in your calendar right now. Have you got any big meetings planned in, any sort of major project work, or is it, is it just another normal week for you? If it's just another normal week, let me suggest an activity which could actually put 100,000 in the bank over a period of months and years, but still 100,000 in the bank. What I'm going to suggest is that next week you declare to be sales week. Now, in reality, every week should be sales week. You should be pushing sales and, you know, just generally pushing prospects and moving things forward all the time. But I know that life gets in the way of the things that you should be doing. So what if you declared next week to be sales week and you focused a set of activities every single day next week on finding leads, turning those leads into prospects and turning those prospects into qualified opportunities, people who really, really could go on to buy from you. The easiest way to get started with Sales Week is to look back at all of your previous sales opportunities. In fact, you could do this now. It would take you, what, 20 minutes to pull together a list of people to target next week. Go back through all of your notepads. Who are all the people that you've spoken to, that you've had conversations with about their technology? And you can go back five, maybe even 10 years. In fact, if the average client stays with an MSP for three to five to seven years, you absolutely should be going back right now to those people that you were talking to three to five to seven years ago, because you never know, they might be ready to make a switch again. Look through your notepads. Look through your emails, look through your sales system, look through your CRM, pull out all of those business cards hiding in drawers in your desk, any data you've got anywhere. Who are all the people that you have spoken to in the past who did a bad thing? They chose someone else. They chose not to go with you. There's bound to be a ton of them. You've just got to find out who they are. And then next week, you could target them in a sales week. The first job then is to pull all that data together, get all of that different data, stick it into either a spreadsheet or a basic CRM. Don't overthink that. I mean, don't turn that into next week's activity. That's just a basic thing to get yourself organized. But once you've got that data pulled together, next week you can target it. 
And there are a number of things that you could do. You could perhaps send an email to those people. And I don't really mean a broadcast email from a CRM. I mean a one-on-one -on -one email. You could just drop them an email along the lines of, oh, hi, Scott, how are you? Can you believe it's been seven years since we spoke? Yeah, that's right. Back in 2014, you were looking for a new IT support company and we had a few meetings. You chose to go with someone else at the time, which is fine. Would you say that as a line? Does that make you sound a bit bitter? Maybe. Hey, put that into your own words, but you went with someone else, you loser, you picked the wrong MSP. And I'm just wondering how are things right now? Are you still happy with the guys that you chose or are you entering that process again of looking at someone else? Loads has changed for us in the seven years and I'm sure it has for you too. It would be great to reconnect. Now, let's say you had 50 people that you've previously spoken to, so you're not a stranger to them. You're not their friend. They don't know who you are, but you're not a complete stranger to them. Even if they sat in a room with you seven years ago, there will be a vague memory of that. If you dropped all 50 of those people more or less the same email, but you emailed them individually, which is what, half an hour's work at tops? The numbers game alone says that a small proportion of those people will email you back. Now, even if that was one or two percent, that's okay, because one or two percent of 50, well, that's that's just one people, one people, one person, one person emailing you back. That's okay. One person emailing you back is engagement. I reckon actually of 50 people you've had a previous engagement with, you'd get two, three, maybe even five of those people emailing you back. And one or two of them, it might be a case of, hey, yeah, we remember you, not really interested in talking right now, but then there might be someone else. In fact, you will ask yourself, why would someone email back? Either because they're being polite or because they are ready or nearly ready, willing and able to have a sales conversation with you. So I would definitely email those people. What you should also do, and in fact, this is the most productive thing you could do next week, is of course to just pick up the phone and call those people. So you could just call those 50 people off the bat, or you could take those 50 people you emailed and call the 45 who didn't bother to reply to you. That would be potentially a good thing to do as well. The other thing you could do is send them something in the post, perhaps send them a printed newsletter, send them some literature. You could write something and get it printed. You know, it doesn't have to be anything clever. You could just take a copy of something that you've seen, print something you've seen on the web and just put a little post-it note on the top saying, hey, it's been years since we've spoken, but I saw this and I thought of you guys. Anything you can send to someone to re-engage them is a good thing. But don't think you can just send an email or just make one phone call or just send one thing in the post during your sales week. You're probably going to have to do a number of different things to get these people to talk to you. The goal here is to cross off those 50 people and to say, right, I know because I've spoken to 10 or 20 or 30 of them. I know that those are not my opportunities right now. So therefore, I'm going to focus all of my attention on the 20 people that I haven't yet been able to get hold of. You take 50 prospects who are qualified. They're qualified in that you wanted their business a number of years ago, and we can assume that they have moved on in some ways. They could be even bigger businesses now. That's what makes them qualified. Let's assume they understand what it is that they're buying because you're not their first MSP. They've bought from at least one before. This is a really hot list for you. All you've got to get right in this, well, there's two things really. The first thing is you've got to get the timing right 
And the second thing is that you've got to get the engagement right. Well, the timing is completely out of your hands. Now might be a good time to talk. Now could be the worst time to talk. They might just have picked a new IT company a couple of weeks ago. That would be awful timing, wouldn't it? But there's only one way to find out, and that's just to hit all of them and attempt to have a conversation with all of them. If you could have next week three four, five decent conversations with old prospects, even if nothing comes out of it next week. What a week that's going to be. What a week that sales week is going to be because you'll have had three, four or five conversations and you don't normally do that. That sales week can be great for your self-esteem. It can be great for your sales process. And do you know what? I wouldn't put money on it. Well, no, go on. I'll I'll bet you a Snickers. I bet you a Snickers that if you work 50 old prospects next week, there will be an opportunity you uncover. And it might not be an amazing opportunity, but you never know. It might be a piece of work that could lead on to some proper managed services, some proper monthly recurring revenue. If you do work that 50 and you don't get anything out of it, genuinely all 50 are dead, drop me an email and I will send you a Snickers bar. Whereas if you do work those 50 and you get something out of it, yeah, you can send me a Snickers. The address is on the website if you want to send me one. Go on, make next week a sales week. Target some old prospects, really throw yourself into it. It only needs to be a couple of hours a day and that could be enough to potentially win you a brand new client and hundreds of thousands of long-term lifetime revenue. Here's this week's clever idea. Talking about prospects, have you ever noticed that when you're sitting down with a company that could potentially become a client, they always seem to give you very similar stories? When you're asking them about their business in a sales meeting, you ask them open questions, don't you? You ask them things like, tell me about your business. What do you guys do? How do you do that? What are the things that make you successful? Where do you sit in the marketplace? All of those kind of things, they tend to be unique. But when you ask them questions like, tell me about your technology. How do you keep ransomware out of your business? Talk me through how you back up all of your data. What would happen if you were to lose internet access for 24 hours? Who has access to what data within the business? How do you think your clients would react if they knew that their data had been leaked in some kind of cybersecurity incident? And all of the other questions that you ask, I suspect if you're like most MSPs, that the answers you get back will be the same. You know, they don't really understand what cybersecurity is. Certainly when you probe, you realize that they don't understand. They know that they've got a backup, yet they couldn't tell you how that backup actually works or when the last time was someone checked it or verified it. You get the same answers again and again and again. And you know what? That's normal, completely normal. In fact, Let's use Pareto's principle. Around about 80% of the answers that you get back from the prospects you're talking to is going to be the same kind of stuff. They may not be using the exact same words, but the themes of what they are saying are exactly the same. And this is normal. In fact, it's to be expected. Now, this doesn't mean that you can coast your way through these sales meetings. It doesn't mean that you can switch off mentally and stop listening to them. You've got to listen to them. If anything, you must listen because later on in that sales meeting, and this is a powerful tip if you don't do it, you can repeat their language back to them. One of the quickest ways to bond with someone during a sales meeting is to take the exact words that they say, the exact words in the exact order they say them, and repeat those words back to those people. That's a very powerful concept in a sales meeting. No, the fact that they are saying the same things as all the other prospects is a good thing, because that sales meeting isn't really 
for you. That sales meeting is for them. It's for them to go through an emotional process of realizing that your MSP is the best choice for them. And you cannot get them to make a cognitive decision about this. Most B2B sales, in most situations, the decision is not made by the brain. The decision is made by their emotions. And it's just rubber stamped by the brain because they don't really know what they're buying. They don't understand technology. They certainly don't understand any of the techie things that you've said to them, which is why it's best not to talk about technology during a sales meeting. You talk about outcomes, you talk about safety, you talk about security, but you don't actually talk about the details of technology. You do that and you're dead in the water. So they're making emotional decisions and the emotions need to go through certain processes. It's why we don't meet our perfect partner at 9 p.m. of an evening and be on a knee, a bended knee by 9.30 asking them to marry us. We tend to wait at least a few more weeks to do that. You don't propose to someone on the first date unless you're in Las Vegas. You don't propose to someone on the first date because we need to build a relationship with someone. We need to go through an emotional process of realizing that they're the right person for us. And it's no different for your prospect deciding to buy from you. So at the point that you find yourself getting slightly bored with sales meetings because it's the same kind of thing again and again and again, relax. It means that you're doing a good job. If you're hearing the same answers to the questions you normally ask, this is a good thing. It means they're going through that process, their emotions are engaging with you, they are making the correct decision that you are the best MSP for them right now. Do not interrupt that process. It's a process you've got to go through each time. And yeah, that means an hour invested of your time, but hey, it potentially means 100,000 or more of lifetime revenue. There aren't many industries out there where you can get £100,000 or $100,000 of lifetime revenue just for sitting with someone, asking them the same questions and getting the same answers again and again and again. What a wonderful world we live in. Paul's blatant plug. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do appreciate you giving me your time. And I also appreciate that you're actually listening for you. You're listening to get ideas to grow your business. Nothing wrong with that. That's the point of the podcast. There is another free resource that goes hand in hand with this podcast. And that's a Facebook group. It's the MSP Marketing Facebook group. We've got, uh, how many members have we got right now? 1,581 members. And they are all MSPs because this is a vendor free zone. So we do actually check that you're an MSP when you apply to join. And it's a Facebook group where you can ask me and your peers, all those other 1500 MSPs from around the world, you can ask them questions about marketing and growing your business. So if I just look at some of the uh, things that we've got in here, we've got an article about the rise of the super MSP. That was an interesting one. Uh, we've got someone asking here, this is John asking, can anyone share any success stories of uh, MSP B2B marketing with Instagram? It's got a couple of comments on that. Now this is a good one. This has got a ton of contents on it. Sarah has asked, free IT security review. Sarah says, I've seen lots of IT companies advertising this on their website recently in my competitor research, but what are people using to do this? Are you using a piece of software that creates a report? That seems too techy. Or is do you use an actual engineer who visits the site? That seems expensive. And then someone's commented below, I've never seen a free review actually work. 
And James has replied, actually, it works for us all of the time. We do network detective scan, Nessus scan internal, if I pronounced that correctly, uh, internal and external, Office 365 audit, dark web audit, and there's a whole load of other things he posts. And he says, this quarter we've done five audits and landed three deals. All of these monthly, $1,300, $5,000 and $6,000. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? So there's some really, really inspirational stuff in this group. If you're not a member and you're genuinely an MSP, and please don't apply to join if you work for vendors. I love vendors. It's just this is not your resource. This is just for MSPs to talk about marketing and business growth. Pull up Facebook on your phone right now. Literally, go on your phone. Tap on the Facebook button, go into the search bar at the top, type in MSP Marketing, but then go to Groups, and you'll see my little face. Now take your finger, poke me in the face with your finger. Oh, it did hurt a bit. It's quite hard. You didn't have to do it so hard. Uh, there's the group. Now apply to join, answer the questions, and we will let you in. And I'll love to have a chat with you in the MSP Marketing Facebook group. The Big Interview. Towards the end of this interview, you'll hear me and Harry discussing the four big vendors and how often they buy other companies. Just to set some context to this, we recorded this interview at the start of April and before Kaseya announced its acquisition of Datto. I'm Harry Brailsford. I'm the founder of SMB Nation and I do about four or five other side hustles. And you have so much going on, Harry. I know this because I actually appeared on your podcast a few months ago, and I was delighted when you said that you would come and appear on this podcast. We're going to talk about some of your side hustles later on. In particular today, I want to talk to you about M&A, mergers and acquisitions, and what's happening in our world with M&A amongst MSPs. Before we do, just tell us a little bit more about you. So who who are you? Tell us, tell us the full story, the full Harry okay. story. Well, a, a early Microsoft vendor started in uh, 1989. I was on the Excel 3.0 team with the Lotus Macro Interpreter. That that led to uh, getting involved in Windows Server, Windows Small Business Server behind the scenes in 97. And that's where I built my reputation. So my company, SMB Nation, was built around being a community for small business server and it was all fine and good until 2014 when Microsoft uh, finally permanently removed the product from the market to push you to Office 365 consumption. So I've got on to do other things, uh, an analytics startup and two or three other things we'll talk about later. But yeah, career in technology, uh, did a bunch of books along the way from Microsoft Press and then finally started self-publishing. Um, the last book I did was the Pocket MBA. So I kind of broke away from strict, you know, strict technology resource kits to kind of a crossover book about, you know, a, a mini, a mini I, MBA. <laughs> That's me. That's what an incredible career that you've had, and how rude of Microsoft to withdraw that server and, and take away the, the the very thing that you were, you know, arguably one of the leading experts on. That must have been. Um, I, I guess you knew that yeah, was coming in three sixty five, yeah. but it must have still been a shock when it happened. They started telegraphing about that in uh, two thousand eleven and did end of life and then finally end of support. And it was pretty much over at that point, but it's, it's a heck of a run. 
<laughs> yes, I bet. I bet it is. So let's talk about M&A. Um, you are uh, involved with some mergers and some acquisitions that are happening uh, right now in, in the US. Certainly, as I look to, to the US and, and here where I'm based in the UK, uh, we can see that there's, there's, there's a lot of M&A activity happening right now. So you've got, uh, you'll tell me, please, if this is what's happening in the US, but certainly here in the UK, we, we're seeing two principal things happening at the same time. So one is the rise of super MSPs. Mm-hmm. So these are companies that are fairly large to start with, and then they're acquiring other sizable uh, MSPs. And I'm not quite sure if they're venture capitalist-backed or whether they're just doing it through um, through other funding means. But that's one thing. At a smaller level, I'm seeing lots of MSPs that are 10, 15 years old realize that actually acquiring someone else's clients is a faster and somewhat, I wouldn't say easier, but it's, it's a faster route of growth than organic growth. And so while they're continuing their organic growth, they're not afraid of acquiring a competitor or acquiring someone in the next town uh, and often acquiring their techs as well, because in a, in a difficult recruitment market, that can be a really, you know, it's like a double win, isn't it? You, you bring on a whole load of new clients and you bring on some new techs as well. Are you seeing similar things happening in yeah. the US? Yeah, I have. I sit on the board of uh, Moonshot uh, Equity Partners, a private equity firm that's charged with acquiring MSPs, typically smaller MSPs. So I concur with both of your points, but I would also add, um, in general, over here at least, uh, the the MSPs are uh, an aging demographic, at least the crowd I run in. And, and so now there's, you know, talk about, well, what's my exit, right? And the exits can be uh, glorious or they can be surprisingly low, uh, depending on how you structure your business. But an aging MSP would certainly want to look in the mirror and talk with their family about getting acquired. So essentially, they're, they're, they're going to get a, a payout in some form or another, an earn out or, or cash or both, and uh, they have a job. So now they, they're not running a company, which is you know pretty stressful. There's a lot of anxiety in running a company. And so um, now they have a job and quite frankly, they, they can ride it out to pasture. <laughs> the other thing we're seeing is uh, with the low cost of funds. Um, so interest rates are starting to climb here in the US, but relatively speaking, borrowing is still cheap. And, and so you'll see... Uh, asset-based financing, right? So the, the and we've done this over at Moonshot where you come in and you pledge the assets of the MSP you're acquiring to get financing to acquire the MSP. And, and so that's a, a, a positive trend right now, but that is changing, right? So that's kind of one of my talking points is, you know, 2022, it's still a healthy M&A environment, but these things are like windows and sometimes the windows open, and sometimes the windows close. So we're coming into an economic period where that window may start to close, <laughs> if that makes sense, when those rates go up. Would that cl- window close because the valuation of the assets can't be used to generate as much cash as it as it as has been used for as people have been able to do now? Well, it's 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 that, but it's also uh, mergers and acquisitions are cyclical. So these things, again, they go, I'll, I'll use waves, they go in waves. And we've had a really big wave of M&A activity in the MSP market. So it's natural that the markets are going to start to correct. And and that might be because everybody's acquired everything they, they want to or can afford to acquire, right? I mean, there, there's, there's only so many 
um, acquisition opportunities that, you know, there's probably always opportunities, but you, you want to have it be a great acquisition opportunity, right? And those are limited. <laughs> those are finite. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course they are. Of course they are. And certainly in terms of, and I'm not asking you in any way to talk about specific deals or numbers or anything like that, but in terms of your work on the board of a company that's acquiring MSPs, is there a specific type of MSP that they're looking for? So for example, are they looking for lots of monthly recurring revenue or is it work within specific verticals or niches? What's of interest to to people right now? Yeah, yeah. No, you hit on one of them. So yeah, recurring revenue is, uh, the gold standard. Um, but as we've looked at, at some deals, you'd, you'd be surprised how not not everybody's 100% recurring revenue, right? There's still some break fix. There's still some project work. Um, and that is uh, devalued in the due diligence process. We devalue that because it's not as um, assured. Uh, the other thing would be if the owner is going to uh, come with the company. Okay, that's, that's huge. And if the owner says, no, you know, the, my ticker's acting up. The doc told me I got to, you know, I got to stop working. Um, well, that devalues your acquisition value, right? Because most times the MSPs are what we call a key man, right? They're key to that business. And if they're not coming with the deal, not that the deal can't get done, but we're certainly going to devalue the deal. But I guess that's on a larger acquisition scale. If it's a, a smaller MSP just acquiring its competitor, they probably don't want the, the business owner. They, they just want the clients and they just want the, yeah, the staff. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the other thing we're seeing in the work I'm doing is we're focused on uh, regional acquisitions. So, and, and other MSPs are, are national and possibly international. Um, but we're a smaller private equity firm. So we're focusing right now on the state of Florida. And the reason is, is we can, we feel we can manage that, right? If, if we acquired, uh, we, we have an MSP in Florida and if we acquired an MSP in Minneapolis or Seattle, that's pretty far afield for us to manage. You know what I'm saying? And, and part of it can be sometimes too, uh, this hasn't happened, but, but it's certainly on the table that, for example, I might step in, when two MSPs are uh, merged and I might step in as sort of an interim CMO, chief marketing officer, because what we consistently see, and I know you know this because you're MSP marketing, but we see that's sort of the weakness of MSPs is the sales and marketing, right? They're really good at the the technical work. Most are, I mean, they really enjoy that. And they're probably pretty good at managing their business, you know, paying their bills. They're probably pretty good at that. But I mean, I, I almost pose the question to you, but that's that's the weakness we see. And sometimes, you know, the, the VC or the private equity will put will embed somebody in the new company to, to help them get going, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, and I, I completely agree with you. It's it's for most MSPs, it's a uh, it's it's a very weak area, and marketing is is the biggest opportunity for them to to well to to do some marketing, and then to actually turn that into systemized marketing, which happens you know daily, weekly, monthly, and which actually generates. Uh, or generates leads, warms them up and, and hands prospects over to salespeople. And I, I can certainly see as you're putting two or three MSPs together, there is, there is a huge opportunity to create that system and then just roll that out to your future acquisitions. That's indeed what I would do if I was doing what you are. Final question uh, for you here on this podcast, Harry, and then we'll, we're going to move on to YouTube for our extended interview. Let's look away from MSPs and look at uh, vendors. So we've seen over the, the past 
five, six years or so, we've seen you know, the likes of Datto, Kaseya, uh, that are kind of the, the big four yeah. really, acquiring lots and lots of other vendors and creating these super groups. And obviously Datto did a, an IPO, an initial public offering. And uh, what do you see next for the big vendors? So they've already created these, these super groups. What do you think might happen next? We, we are a concentrated, mature industry. Let me start with that, right? We're down to, to your point, call it the big four. And then there's a second tier beneath them. There's another half a dozen just below the radar screen. Um, there's nothing to say that they couldn't be acquired yet again. One of the big four, for example, uh, IBM has been known to write checks, right? And, and they're not always, uh, they don't bounce. That's the good news. The checks clear the bank. But IBM has, a quite frankly, a mixed track record on, on acquisitions, right? Did it really pay off? Um, I think they're going to have uh, some success with uh, Red Hat. But those are big boys, right? And so there's nothing to say that ServiceNow might acquire uh, one of the big MSPs or uh, IBM. So I think you'll see that. But the downside, and, and I, I do feel kind of strongly about this, is the fidelity of the solution offering from these concentrated big four MSPs. You know, I I don't know if you hear, but I hear, you know, doggone it. You know, they went and acquired everybody and they just lost their mojo and the product support's not what it was and that kind of thing. So that, that weighs heavy on me. <laughs> However, I think that creates opportunity. And certainly if, if you listen back to some of the um, podcasts, some of the episodes of this podcast where we've had on MSP owners who've started something. You know, we had uh, Tony Capewell who started a dark web scanning oh, okay. tool of his own and, and built that from scratch because he was unhappy with a previous solution, which was previously acquired uh, by by one of the big vendors. So I, I completely agree that the, the, and you don't see it with all all of the big vendors, but you, you do hear uh, MSP owners, uh, you know, say, "Oh, I can't believe they've been acquired by so and so service, you know, so and so vendor," uh, and and losing the mojo is is, is exactly right. But you know, in the, it, we're in a very fast changing world, and I, I think that. Yeah, I see. I see nothing but opportunity yeah. in that, Harry. This has been a, a fantastic conversation. We're going to continue talking on YouTube. I'll, talk, I'll tell you what I want to ask you about in a second. Just before we do, tell us how can people get in touch with you? Well, the easiest way is LinkedIn. Just my name, Harry Brailsford, on LinkedIn. Let's start there, and then that usually leads to an exchange of emails. And and heck, maybe I'll even do a podcast on some with with some of your listeners or reach out. But yeah, let's start with LinkedIn. That's simple. <laughs> okay, nice nice and easy way to find you. And we'll, of course, put a, a connection to your LinkedIn, a link to your LinkedIn on the show notes of this podcast on my website. So we're going to hop over to YouTube right now, Harry. We're going to continue this conversation. I want to ask you about the changes that you've seen in technology since uh, since you know you, you first got involved in it, because you've, be, you've been through four or five revolutions of technology. Um, I want to talk to you about side hustles as well. Um, you, you and I have spoken a couple of times, and every time you tell me about something else that you're doing and you know it's my my brain can't cope with the side hustles and i don't have to do them you actually have to do them so i want to talk about those and how you keep focus on on so many big projects in one go uh, and then i think we'll finish off by just looking at your pocket mba and and what you created there and and lessons from that so we will continue this conversation right now at youtube.com slash msp marketing paul green's msp marketing podcast this week's recommended book. Hi, I'm Simon from Propel Your MSP. The book I recommend is They Ask, You Answer. 
is I think it's an amazing marketing book. And I can tell you, we have to start doing a lot more marketing and applying the principles of the book. And I think you should as well. Coming up next week. Hi, my name is Al Alpha with Absolute Logic and CyberGuard 360. I'm looking forward to being on next week's show where I'll tell you my journey to becoming an MSP and to eventually also being in the channel. I've got a ton of business stories I'm going to share with you. Look forward to talking to you. We'll also be talking about where you can find a phone person. Now, I don't mean telesales, I don't mean telemarketing, but I'm a huge fan of you having someone sitting within your business, picking up the phone and calling people, making outbound calls to the kind of prospects that we were talking about earlier in the show. It's a really powerful thing to do. We've also got for you three rules to maximize your personal time. We've only got a finite amount of time here on this big lovely lump of rock spinning around the sun, so we might as well make the most of it. And for you as the business owner, that means absolutely maxing out everything you do within the business. I've got three suggested rules for you and I'll tell you what they are in next week's show. Now don't forget we've got a ton of extra stuff on YouTube for you. We've got the extended interview with Harry Brailsford and on Thursday we'll publish the latest edition of Another Bite. It's our show about the show and host Sophie Law will be quizzing me and sometimes our guest who joins us as well to talk about some of the themes that are mentioned in the podcast. That'll be there on Thursday. You can access all of our content at youtube.com slash MSP marketing. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to wherever you listen to this podcast as well. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.